Uh, the first reading from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, using the New Revised Standard Version. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and one who curses you, I will curse. And in, your, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Second readings from 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 11. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you've made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. Great. Um, good morning. How wonderful to see a full church after so much time of being so spaced out in a, in a different way than um, we have been. Hooray. Yes, so James, uh, as he just said, he's, I'm going to correct him very slightly. He, my title was actually generosity rather than money. So I'm going to go a bit wider than just money, if that's okay. Um, because generosity is an attitude of heart. It's how we are as people. Money is quite specific. Um, but I think I wanted to ask you first of all, you don't have to speak out aloud because it might be embarrassing, how your heart reacts to the idea that we might be talking about money. And if I then held up this bin as a nice little collection thing, do you go, yes! Or do you go, oh, please, <laughs> not another talk on money. What else have I got to give up in order to raise some more cash? How do you feel? And what I hope and pray we can do this morning is to flip that all over. Because if our thinking about money is a drain, if we start to spiral downwards then we have more to find out about the wonder of our loving Heavenly Father because he is crazily generous right the way through Scripture. So money becomes exciting if we can catch that. We've been talking about the bridegroom. Can you imagine you know, a, a lady about to get married and as she looks at her bridegroom she believes he's going to shortchange her. I don't think she'd be getting married. When we get married, we know we're giving ourselves to the other one. 
everything been given. That's our bridegroom. Yes, he's coming for a pure and holy bride, which is us, the church. But his heart is to cherish his bride, to raise us up into fullness. Now, if we can catch that, and that's what I'm going to try and run with this morning, suddenly, managing our money becomes this great adventure with Jesus. It's not difficult and scary. It's, well, it might be scary, but it's exciting as well. <laughs> it's both. So that's what we're going to try and do. So, now, just before I, I stood up, Jenny Meldrum here said, look, I've, I've got this picture. I don't know if it's helpful. She said, I, I see this picture of someone with a gold sovereign in their pocket. And they keep looking at it and then putting it away and looking, putting it away. And God's saying, that's old currency. We need something new. That's what this morning's about. We're going to, to leave behind some of our old thinking about money and take on a more biblical perspective. But first, I just want to step back, as I say, and talk a bit more widely than just money. It's relatively easy for us all to calculate 10% of our total income and pop it in the collection box or whatever, and sort of tick that, done my giving, on with something else. That's not generosity, that's mathematics. We are called to be generous people. Let's look at it this way. Was Jesus generous? Good, we're on the same page. <laughs> How many times did he give away money? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> he gave away everything. He was incredibly generous. He gave away healing. He gave away time. We read those times when he was tired, and then the crowd came, so he taught them. He gave away food that he multiplied, and ultimately he gave away his life. So generosity is wider than just, it involves our wallets, but it's much wider than our wallets. That's our model. It's an attitude of heart. So, let's first talk about money, and then I'm going to expand it from there. And as I say, we may need to lay aside that old currency, that old way of thinking that works, it fits with what other people think, but it doesn't align with Scripture. We want to align with Scripture. That's our plumb line. So, Father, just as we start, we just want to agree with you. We want to align with your word. We want to put it into action, and then we want to trust you. Amen. So, I'm going to have two fun words for us. Um, the first one is lack. And it's not obviously a fun word at all. But what I'm wanting to ask is, can we think of anywhere in Scripture where enforced lack is celebrated? Good, I'm really glad there's no clever clogs in the room who can catch me out on that. It isn't celebrated. Nowhere in Scripture. Indeed, when we see people who are in enforced lack, we find God reaching out and ministering to them. Lack 
has become, I think, I say as a Church of England person, I think we've inadvertently taken it on and considered it a virtue. It's kind of spiritual to have nothing and to be in need. It may, it's not biblical. It just isn't there. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's the biblical position. So we might need to lose a bit of our church tradition upbringing, which has taught us a mindset that isn't true. I, I felt God was telling me to describe lack like this. The four letters, L-A-C-K, are losing the ability to contribute to the kingdom. It's not a good thing. Okay, so that was the easier of the two words. The more, the more, <laughs> you know what's coming. <laughs> Word number two, prosperity. <laughs> what does that trigger in you? Does that trigger yes, or does it trigger private jets, white suits, Rolls Royces? <laughs> oh, no, we're not going there, we're not going there, we're not going there. We don't like that doctrine at all, we're not going there. But I want to, the problem is prosperity is a biblical concept. So what's going on? If tomorrow I worked really hard and I generated a million pounds and I bought two homes for people who were in need and gave them away, would we have a problem with my prosperity? I don't think so. The issue is not prosperity. The issue is a lack of generosity. We've focused, we've killed the wrong thing. We need to recognize that prosperity with generosity is really exciting. Let's put it another way. If um, Felicity here has got acute appendicitis, we need to operate on her right now, and I happen to have a scalpel. I'm a banker, not a doctor. <laughs> so I try and chop out her appendix. I've got no idea which organ I would chop out. I've got, oh, but we've got doctors, so we could actually be all right. So if I use that scalpel, I'll probably kill her. But if Roger or Rachel uses that scalpel, they'll probably save her. It's not the scalpel's fault. It's how we used it. If prosperity's got a bad name, it's not because prosperity's bad. It's how we've used it. Now, I think what God is wanting to say to us is your prosperity is the flip side of my generosity. If I deny prosperity... I'm denying that God is generous. I mustn't go there because he's a generous father. And as he releases into me, then the question is, how am I going to steward that well? What does that look like from there? So can we embrace prosperity with generosity, those two bedfellows going together, as a good thing? Because if we can begin to do that, then we can look at scripture and realize what God is saying about this. So, I'm not going to do a full Genesis to Revelation. We'd be here till this evening, even though we don't have an evening service, but I'm not going to go there. I'll give you a few key points along the way. In Genesis, Adam and Eve are told, eat whatever you want from a garden. There's only one thing you can't. There's complete, full provision for them. But interestingly, and this I think is a bit of a key for us, alongside that is a call to steward. It wasn't just enjoy everything in the garden. 
It was enjoy it, but steward the world I've created. So in Genesis 12, we get God's blessing over Abraham to be blessed and to be a blessing. He wasn't supposed to sit just in being blessed. But actually, if we sit just on the other side, trying to be a blessing with no resource coming in, we're limited in the blessing we can pour out. So he's being blessed to be a blessing. And then we're told in Galatians that we've been redeemed so that the blessing given to Abraham becomes ours in Christ. So I now am part of that Abrahamic blessing. I am to be blessed to be a blessing. There's this beautiful flow that's going to go as I can catch it. I love Abraham and Lot. They have to choose who's going to have the land and Abraham says to Lot, take whatever bit you want because whatever's left, I'm going to thrive. He understood his father. The Israelites in Exodus were thriving. That was why the Egyptians had a problem. So it's kind of ironic that they left with all the gold of Egypt. Um, Then a key verse in Deuteronomy 8. Remember, it is God who gives you the power to create wealth. Lots of little things will quickly unpack. First, it doesn't just say it's God who gives you wealth. Now, yes, he does. Does God provide miraculously? Absolutely. But he gives us the power to create wealth. Two things from that. First, when we find ourselves creating wealth, let's not take the credit. God, you're awesome. But equally, if we're finding we can't create wealth, here's an invitation to come to the Father and say, you tell me you give me the power to create wealth. It's not working. What, you know, how do I align with heaven so your resource flows? And then, the bit that I really love in this, the, the remainder of the verse says, and in so doing, he confirms his covenant with you. This is not an aside that God thought about later. He's saying, this is the heart of my covenant, that my people thrive. Deuteronomy 28, we will all know, it covers all the huge blessings that God's going to release to us that he wants to. And now, just a really key part so we can catch this. You know, we see that it begins, if you walk with the Lord your God and obey all his commands, then, and we go, oh, well, I'm pretty rubbish at that, so it doesn't apply to me. Not true. Christ has met all the conditions for us. He became sin for us so that we become the righteousness of God. Outrageous, but true. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, for no matter how many promises God has made, they're all yes in Christ. But he adds, and so through So we add our amen to his glory. It's a done deal, but we have to align with it, and then God gets the glory. Okay? So he's released it. We align with him to receive it, and he gets the glory. And we go on through the Old Testament, and we see clothes and sandals didn't run out, joined vineyards they didn't plant, the widow of Zarephath who had oil that didn't run out, 
David saying, you brought us into a place of abundance. Then the Proverbs say, when the righteous prosper, and it doesn't say they rejoice, it says when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're getting the same pattern. As, the, as we learn to tap into the flow of heaven, Chanctonbury Parish rejoices. That feels good. Um, and then, of course, Malachi. If, and this is, interestingly, flips it around. So far, all the things I've quoted are God pours in, we receive, we pour out. Malachi is actually the other way around. When you bring the full tithes into the storehouse, then... I will open the windows of heaven. So that's the other way around. We pour out and he pours in. Both are in scripture. All Old Testament, Hebrews 4 says, we have even better promises. Some of my favorite verses. Everything you read in the Old Testament, you can go, yay, I'm in the New Testament. I have even better promises than everything there. Feeding of the 5,000, more than enough. More than enough. Um... Luke 6, give and it will be given unto you again, the other way around. As we give, it'll be given unto us, pressed down, running over. And then that results in Acts 2, there's no one needy among them. Isn't that where we long to go? Don't we long that in this fellowship there are no needy people? And actually that in this parish, in this area, we meet all the needs so hang on, how limited are heaven's resources? I don't think they are. So what if we could align with heaven and see that resource flow and release blessing right across our community? And therefore we land in our second reading. God is able to bless you abundantly. Maybe we need to do a quick pause on that. Thank you, Lord. That is your truth. You are able to bless me abundantly. Let's really soak this up. And then there's all these alls. I love them. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abandon every good work. That's the heart of God. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, that seed for the sower is what we sow to create wealth in due course, Bread for food is today. He supplies both. He'll increase all of that. You will be enriched in every way. This is outrageous stuff, isn't it? It's, it's so not churchy. You know, it's really good news. You'll be enriched in every... That's no... Sorry, James. <laughs> You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every... Okay, isn't that amazing? My, my godson said, he's, he's got this dream. He said, I want to be crazy wealthy because I want to be able to say to a church or a charity, what do you need? Three million? Shh, here you are. That's his heart, is to create wealth because he, he is a riotous giver. He just wants, God, can I have more? I want to give it away. I love that. This is what this is saying. You'll be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Oh, we've got the same pattern. I get enriched, I receive, I release, and he gets the glory. Now, one of my children, who just might be here today, called me from America, where she was living a while ago, and said, um, Daddy, I, um, 
Sorry, she emailed me. Daddy, I found this person who needed, I think it was $400, and I didn't have much more than that, and I wasn't sure what to do, and so I said, what would Daddy do? And she gave him $400. She emailed me to say, can you now please top up my bank account? (laughs) I tell you, I was the proudest and happiest dad of anyone in the world that day because my daughter had understood I will never let them go short if I can possibly avoid it. I have to put that rider on because I'm me, I'm not God. That's the heart of God. I I cannot tell you. Okay, it's that email you sent. It was just amazing. That's the flow of heaven. We get crazy generous. God pours in like crazy. So if we can see this, if we can see the abundant flow in and the abundant flow out, then we become like a river. And money starts to become really fun. And then we start praying, hey, Lord, where do you want this bit to go? And you give it to somebody, and they go, you've got, no, I've been on my knees praying for this amount of money. You go, wow, that's really cool. So, So how are we going to tap into this? Well, we've looked, and James mentioned the next three weeks, on healing. We know Jehovah Rapha, the covenant name of God, I'm the Lord who heals, I'm the Lord your health. We absolutely know as a church, God wants everybody well. And so we're saying, it's done on the cross, it's a done deal 2,000 years ago, but I need to appropriate it, okay? It's been released, I now need to receive it. So we're learning how to do that. It's exactly the same with our money. Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh is another covenant name of God. God will provide. So in just the same way, we pursue him for healing and we're aligning with his will by doing so. As we pursue him to understand how to connect with the wealth of heaven, we're aligning with his will in doing so. So let's just do the same thing. The story is told of Spurgeon, that wonderful preacher, who went to visit an old lady in her very, very old age. She was a very, very poor, destitute lady and was close to dying, and he went to minister to her. And as he was looking around her room, he saw on the wall a framed document, and he said, oh, ma'am, can you tell me, what is this? And she said, I don't know. I can't read. He read it, and he said, this is a document from your previous employer committing to bequeath to you part of his inheritance so you would never live in poverty. But she didn't know. Let's not make that mistake. God is a generous father. Let's know what he promises. So we're going to bin lack. We're going to embrace prosperity with generosity because we can see this thing flows through scripture. And then we can do a really fun thing. And I'm going to invite you to do this, maybe email James or me or whatever afterwards. Um, let's ask a question. I love these questions. I love asking this question. When heaven hears the phrase, Chanctonbury Parish is prospering, what does heaven see? And we've done this in the strategy team and we've tried to get our heads around a particular problem. So when heaven sees this, 
what's happened, and then God gives us downloads, and we can go, oh, okay, in that case, we need to go in this direction. So here's the question. I just invite you to take it away over this week. When heaven hears the phrase, Chanctonbury Parish is prospering, what does heaven see? Um, so that's number one. Number two, God sums up all the commandments. Jesus summed up all the commandments in terms of two relationships. Relationship trumps everything in the kingdom. Love God flat out, love each other flat out. So let's do this together. If one of us is needy, let's not be embarrassed about gathering friends to pray for the breakthrough. And if one of us has lots, let's not be embarrassed about saying, I've got quite a lot, but I don't know before God actually how to do this well. And let's share the stories. Here's my invitation. My email is charlieabathnot at hotmail.com. I would love to hear stories of financial breakthrough because I'm going to collate them. I can do it anonymously if you want. We need to know. We know what scripture says. Let's realize what is happening amongst us. As I look out this morning, I, can see, I know amongst us there are stories of radical job changes which gave financial breakthrough. There are stories of uh, children's schooling being paid for miraculously. There's stories of cars being given. Um, there's stories of extraordinary payouts. I don't want to look at anybody too directly and say who's who, but I, know, I can see in this room a load of stories of extraordinary financial breakthrough. Let's share them. Let's, let's raise our expectation. How are we doing? I'm going to jump ahead. And I just want to look at two more things. Firstly, how do we change the way we think? Okay? God has released this, but I have to align with heaven to receive it. How do I do that? Here's, here's a few thoughts. Firstly, one of the things we say around here is heaven is here. God isn't providing everything for us at the end of Revelation, although it is there. It's now. Heaven is here. Let's realize that. Provision is possible now. Secondly, life is spoken, and this is the really key thing. We need to align our thinking with the word of God. Faith is evidenced not so much in the prayer we pray when we pray, but in the thoughts we think when we finish praying. So if I'm going, God, you're awesome. You know, I mean, Esther's Monday evening prayer meeting, we're going, yeah, God, you know, we're looking for millionaires to come in. We're going to see breakthrough finance across the parish. Woo-hoo, this is amazing. If I walk out of that door and go, isn't it a shame that our diocese is in trouble financially? Sorry, I'm not making a declaration. I don't quite know where you are at the diocese, but taking this example. We're, we're in trouble. Okay, we are in trouble. Okay. Then do you realize I'm not walking in faith? I sounded good in the prayer meeting. No, no, no. Faith says, I made a declaration in that church on Monday evening with Esther when we were storming around the church, believing for this. As I walk out that door, I go, yay, God, wow, I wonder what's going to happen. Where's this going to come from? This is so exciting. We need to align our thinking. Um, this is a, a biblical principle. We're not, we're not being silly. Romans 4 says that God calls the things that are not as though they were. So he speaks, we see in Genesis 1, he speaks things into being. When I left the city and um, started out as a consultant with zero qualifications and absolutely no idea whether it was going to work and there was going to be any income ever again, I realized the opportunity for a poverty mindset was huge. So I made a very simple decision. Whenever I take anybody out for coffee or out for lunch, I pay. 
because every time I pay, I'm making a declaration to myself, God is my provider. I am not going to walk in poverty. And that's been quite radical and fun, and sometimes I've gone, really? <laughs> yes, really. Um, do, I just invite you, do speak to your bank statement. Do you? I mean, do you speak to your bank statement? I don't know. But let's be honest, does it speak to you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it does, isn't it? You open it up and it tells you something. So we need to say, okay, bank statement, you're telling me this. I have the word of God. That's telling me a different story. I have a different prognosis. I have a different narrative. That is what I'm believing. So bank statement, you've got to come into line. And um, we had really fun in the, the strategy team a few years back. Um, there were a number of needs in the church for new staff posts we were getting, but there wasn't a money, enough money. So I said to Ian Richardson, who was then the treasurer, could I possibly borrow a paying-in book? So he gave him this paying-in book. Uh, blank pages, nothing, obviously, in it, just blank pages, no numbers on it. And as a strategy team, we gathered around it and we commanded it to fill up. And I just learned from the first service exactly what it was. Within two weeks, we had £108,000 in the bank account. We spoke over the paying in book and we said, you fill up in the name of Jesus. So I encourage you, speak to your bank statement. Um, why? Because then we're going to have more than enough so that every need is met so that the people out here who don't know Jesus, we can just go, let's buy this for you. Let's pay that for you. Let's take you out for a meal because we have more than enough to be generous at every opportunity. That's where we're going. Now, finally, just coming back to where I started, generosity is not about money, it's about character. And I, I absolutely believe that God wants this morning to break off some financial shackles across a number of people where there's just been financial problems ongoing for some time. I believe he wants to break those, and we're going to hear testimonies of financial breakthrough. But I also believe he wants to bring breakthrough relationally because he wants us to be generous-hearted. And that's why I'm just coming back to this. I ask these questions all in the first person singular about me. I have no intention of telling you anything about how you are or are not. That's not my role. But I ask myself, what if I became really generous in spirit? Isaiah 58 says, part of God's chosen fast is that we put away the pointing finger. I don't point my finger literally at people. I know that's wrong, but do I point it in my heart? What if I put away the pointing finger? What if I never took offense? We're too good at trying to push away the offender. And the problem is, there's always another one around the corner. The only way we deal with offense is by dealing with the offended, which is me. What if I never took offense? Jesus said, as I thought he said, if you're coming to bring your gift to the altar and you realize you've got something against your brother, go and sort it out. And then I realized he didn't say that. He said, if you're coming to bring your gift to the altar and then you realize your brother has something against you, go and sort it out. That's completely different. I can come to the altar having decided that I hold nothing against anyone. No, the challenge is, does anyone have a problem with me? If so, I sort it out before I come to the altar. The standard relationally is really high. What if I really walked that out? I've got to think about that. As I was writing, I was going, oh, hang on. I really need to think about this. 
What if I always walked in forgiveness? What if I lavished blessing on other people? What if I always, this is a really key one, I think, what if I always put the best interpretation on an ambiguous situation? What if I always thought the best of people? What if I became outrageously generous? I think the world would sit up and think if I was like that. How do we do that? Well, here's all fruit of the Spirit. We receive more of the Spirit. We take more time with the Father. We learn more who the Father is. We receive and we release and God gets the glory. So it's the same pattern. So I'm going to pray for us in a moment and, and finish. Um, but I just want to offer you, in case it's helpful, a, a vigil aid. I personally love to respond to these sorts of things with an action because then in the week ahead or the months ahead, I remember, oh yes, I walked down the aisle and I did that and it locks it in for me. Other people are different, that's fine. Over here is a bin and there's little bits of paper and there's pens. And my invitation, if it's helpful, is to write down anything you've seen this morning about a wrong attitude to God and money. Did you think he wasn't generous? Whatever it is, did you think he wouldn't supply your needs? Write down that lie, screw it up, and bin it, and walk away with the truth that we have a generous father. A poverty mindset, have, is that what you've taken on? Bin it, walk away, we have a generous father. A wrong attitude to other people, has anything popped up as I've been talking? I suggest don't write their name, because somebody else might see the name. <laughs> write their initials, or an initial, or something that will make you remember, no, I did that, and commit, I'm going to restore that relationship. It's not good. I'm restoring it now. I've had a wrong attitude. I'm going to pour everything into putting that right. And then we'll come to communion, but I'll just finish by praying. Father, thank you so much. Just that your word is full of your longing for your children to thrive. And Lord, we're just so sorry where we've not embraced that. We choose this morning to embrace prosperity with generosity. We want to be a crazy generous people because we want to know that you are just an abundantly generous heavenly father. We just thank you so much. And Father, I want... Now, just to agree with you that where there are financial shackles on us, we break them in the name of Jesus. We break them off where people have struggled to get work, where work has not paid enough. We just break those off in the name of Jesus and we release freedom. We declare we will be a people that prospers and that releases blessing way beyond our boundaries because we've seen the glory, the release, the fullness, the provision of heaven. And we've received it and released it. So, Father, that's what we declare this morning in your mighty name. And we also say, Father, we want to be a people who are generous in spirit. Who love one another. Lord, you said that the world will know we're your disciples by the way we love one another. So we just want to sign up and say, Father, we want to be crazy, generous people, always giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, loving people into freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.